The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to a non-victory Monday edition of the Arrowhead Pride Out of Structure podcast. I'm Matt Stagner with Ron Cobb Jr., as always. Rod, how you feeling after a rough Sunday? Yeah, it was a weird Sunday in the NFL, wasn't it, Stags? Uh, you know, teams just losing, you know, Bills lost, Chargers lost, but, uh, you know, Chiefs couldn't take advantage of the weirdness in the NFL, and, and they succumbed to it, losing themselves to the Colts uh, 2017. Yeah, it was a weird game, Stags. Uh, just special teams miscues, you know, missing Harrison Butker, uh, you know, Sky Moore as a punt returner. Some weird unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, uh, extending game-winning drives. It was just a weird game, man. I, you know, it's it's hard to, uh, you know, it's it's hard to take, you know, too much away from it. But we're going to because that's what we do. So let's get into it. Yeah, I've noticed a tweet from Atlanta, the Spoken on Twitter. This was only the second game the Chiefs lost in the Mahomes era where they held the opponent to twenty-seven points or less. They're forty-five and two in the Mahomes era. When holding teams under 27 points, both losses to the Colts. Weird <laughs> stuff happens when they go to Indy. Weird stuff happens whenever they play the Colts. I'm surprised they actually broke through in 2018 in the playoffs and actually beat the Colts with Mahomes because that's just how cursed they are when they take on Indianapolis. Wow, that's that's crazy. 27 points or less, Stags. That's just how odd of a game this is, how unique of a game this is. Just a, a really weird loss, and and it, and I did feel weird after the game, just 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 not knowing exactly how to how to take it. But we'll talk through it today. Yeah, I mean, if we could also start with another t- uh, question, not question, a tweet from Chiefs Mash Forever. Did we just lose the season? Should we trade Mahomes for picks? Should we cut Jones for that penalty that cost the game? Uh, he said all of this in jest, by the way. But it, it is it's easy to overreact to a game. Uh, where they lost against a team that they clearly should have beat, where they're obviously the better team, and everything had to go wrong for them to lose that game, and they still had a chance at the end. And and so it, it is inexplicable, really. 
Well, yeah, it, it, it's it's something that you don't see, you know, elite teams do. This is an Alex Smith era kind of game. And shout out Serta. I think he kind of mentioned that on the post game to him and him and Rocky. But you know, it, this this is the kind of loss you have before you're you're the elite, you know, top tier team that you know is is con- consistently you know winning, you know, as much as the Chiefs do now. It's the kind of boneheaded game you have sometimes, and we just don't see it as much from this team. But it does happen, man. I mean, you know, there's stinkers like last year's game in Tennessee. You know, there's there, there have been stinkers in the Mahomes era, but this one's just kind of weird because they still had a chance to win it, right? It wasn't a complete stinker. It wasn't a complete blowout or anything. It's just it just felt kind of like that because of how many miscues, how many dumb things happened for them to, to end up losing uh, this game. Yeah, I think it's really all about perspective. So you can look at this Chiefs season so far, and you can see it one of two ways. They're either a couple of plays away from being 3-0 and after just beating the brakes off the Cardinals. They won a tough primetime game against a really good Chargers team on a short week. And then they just had a couple of weird one-off mistakes and, and lost a close one against Indy. That's one way to look at this season to say this was a fluke uh, in, in a positive trend uh, on the season. And again, they should be sitting here at 3-0. and You could also just as easily make the case that this team's a couple of plays away from being one and two, having the only win being against a bad Cardinals team. They squeaked out a win against the Chargers that maybe some would argue they shouldn't have won. And then they lost in embarrassing fashion to a bad Colts team. So which is it? Is this a team trending in the right direction that just had a fluky, fluky game against the, the Colts? Or is this a team that is really struggling this season uh, throwing out the, the season opener against a bad football team. Yeah, and there's merit to that, right, Stags? I mean, think about how the Cardinals defended the Chiefs compared to how the Chargers and Colts did. The Cardinals just uh, blitzed a lot, you know, sending extra pressures. And, and, you know, instead of getting just home with, you know, their front four or whatever, Mahomes is comfortable against that, right? And, and the Chargers blitzed too, but they were a little smarter about it, I think. And obviously their edge rushers created a lot more chaos. But I, I think you're saying that, you know, the other teams aren't going to do exactly what the Cardinals did because that's just not smart, right? And, and, and maybe the offense is, is having the struggles that we all maybe assumed may, might happen right out the gate, right, with this new offense. I think we all kind of maybe were, you know, for, for, uh, foreseen this happening possibly. But, but after the Char- Cardinals game, I think our expectations all kind of flipped, right? You know, we all were like, all right, you know, this team's, you know, already picking up, you know, uh, ready to go where they left off with the new players. But I, I do think there is there is something to be said that, you know, maybe we're have, seeing the early season struggles that a lot of the new players, you know, uh, you know, a lot of this this newness of the team has. But the defense is playing higher than expectations. Right. You know, I, I think that's one you know little silver lining that we'll get into about this game is that the defense played very well. So when you look at you know perspective again, when you look at it like that, you know, the defense might be a little ahead of schedule than we all thought. And so even, you know, even if it is two and one, one and two. Uh, you know, if it was one and two, I think the defense, even, you know, even though all that said, I think they're still, you know, ahead of schedule. So again, perspective, right? Stags. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, one, one side of the ball might be playing, you know, at, you know, lower than the expectations that we wanted to, and the other is playing, you know, better maybe. And that's what's frustrating about it is the offense was ahead of schedule week one, or it looked right. like because everything they did worked, they could throw, they could run. You know, there was uh, they were mixing it up uh, and and it looked fairly unstoppable for for the majority of the first week. If you remember, Mahomes even got to rest a lot of the fourth quarter in week one. 
So you thought at that point, hey, this offense is on the same page. They're mixing it up. They're spreading the ball around. They're hitting, you know, 10 different receivers. You know, and this is really, you know, the new look offense is ahead of schedule. And, and all of a sudden they, they fall off, uh, especially this week, but a little bit last week too. And, and you wonder, are these the growing pains that, that people mentioned? Right. Or is this team going to struggle, you know, without Tyreek Hill? And I hate to even say that because, you know, a lot of people have, have tried to make that case, you know, on, on both ends. But there's something to having that additional playmaker uh, that at times was super reliable. Obviously, there were times when he wasn't. So maybe that that's an oxymoron to say occasionally reliable. But uh, <laughs> Tyreek Hill was a difference maker for this team. And they did add some talent, but that talent's sort of, you know, maybe, maybe they just are what they are and, and they have to, uh, they have to figure out how to do more w- with less. And, and that's the thing about this game though, is, is yes, there are some things with the receivers where it's like, you know, why aren't they getting, you know, connecting with Mahomes, you know, more and, and you want to see it better. And, and, um, but there's, there's so many things to pick apart about this game because, you know, there, there's also, you know, the offensive line wasn't giving Mahomes, you know, a uh, great time in the pocket. A lot of the times um, he was starting to feel the pressure quite a bit. And, and even the running backs, you know, I, I think the offensive line didn't help them in the run game either. But, you know, they're, they're not taking advantage of, of rush lanes and, and the run game was non-existent and, and didn't help the, pa- the pass game kind of at all um, by setting them up for you know uh, easier third downs and all that. So. I, I think there's just so many things to look at this game that it's hard to, you know, it, it's, it's just hard, a, a tough game to evaluate. And, and one of my main points that you'll see an article coming up and we'll talk about it a little more too coming up, but I just, I, I think Mahomes still had the chance to kind of overcome all that. Um, he had a few opportunities to make plays and kind of just make it all, maybe not matter, make another ugly win, kind of like the Chargers game and get out of there. And, and, you know, he, he just, this week it just didn't happen. And, and, you know, you, you expect your elite quarterback to make, the game winning plays, you know, when, you know, nothing else is working and, you know, he had a, a few chances to, and just didn't. And, and again, it just, you know, it, it, as long as it's happening, you know, as long as it happens in the playoffs, you know, it's week three, we got time. Um, but I, I just think that's one thing from this game is that, you know, we could all be kind of having a different tone from this game. If, if there's just a few more plays made by, uh, by Mahomes in the passing game, I think he had those opportunities to do it. I, I do. Yeah. One, one misconnection to MVS, one dropped, you know, Kelsey touchdown. Right. Uh, Hell, even not even Mahomes, you know, converting on a couple of those field goals that they should have made and and they win this game. So, yeah, I mean, you take an ugly win and you you erase a lot of the the issues that we're talking about. The other big issue I wanted to talk about a little bit was the coach's decision making. And, you know, Zach Eisen pointed out that Mahomes wanted to go for it, but the coaches were passive and thought they had done enough. And talking about that decision at the end of the first half, but really, you could you could argue on a bunch of different decisions throughout this game um, by the coaches. Were they being too passive, too conservative, um, or, or just you know being sloppy on game management? I'm going to run down a few decisions here, Ron. Tell me how many of these you think were actually bad decisions. So, okay. first of all, the uh, the first punt return of the game, uh, Sky Moore obviously uh, fumbles and looks bad. The coaches later said. We would have had McColl do it, but we didn't want him to miss the the first play on the offense. Uh, so, first of all, was that a bad decision to to have McColl not returning that punt in retrospect? 
I get trusting Sky, but it is a, a, a bad excuse to not have McColl back there, especially when Sky's struggling. So I would say bad decision because I think McColl isn't a feature part enough of the offense uh, to have that excuse to not be the punt returner. Yeah, I agree. And then also they, they had a punt from the 47-yard the line of Indianapolis. So it's, to me, it's almost always a bad decision to punt inside opponent's territory. Uh, this particular punt worked out well. They were able to down it uh, inside the one. Uh, that punt in the first half, it, was that a bad decision to punt? Well, I believe that came on the heels of, uh, you know, a three-play sequence where the offensive line and, and the pass protection and the offense just in general kind of was, uh, you know, a little a little chaotic. Uh, three straight dropbacks, uh, you know, um, no positive plays. And I actually noted it on Twitter, but that was uh, the play where Mahomes uh, left the pocket a little early, could have had Juju wide open across the middle. So that was a really miss, a, a big missed opportunity. But it's fourth and nine. Um, you know, you trust your defense. I get punting there in that situation. Yeah, I mean, it is a little bit tougher on fourth and nine. Obviously, uh, you know, in retrospect, you certainly don't have a, an option to to try to get in field goal range with the way the kicker was playing at that point. So, uh, all right, how about? The end of the first half, uh, as Zach Eisen pointed out, uh, Mahomes was was shown arguing with Eric Bieniemy about whether they should have been more aggressive there. But as we looked at it, uh, they got that that drive starting at the forty six yard line, their own forty six yard line. The first two plays were deep pass attempts: one uh, incomplete to Justin Watson, uh, one incomplete to Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, those resulted in a holding call uh, and a quarterback hit they ended up second and 20 from their own 36 and that's when they just handed the ball off and and, and let let the clock run out should they have been more aggressive on that series well i think in the coaches minds they were uh, they were aggressive enough right you mentioned the two uh, shot plays they took you know the first one that trey's holding kind of uh, negated even if it was completed you know he had a chance and honestly if he if he kind of uh, you know um keeps his footwork a little better and kind of steps into his throw throw more. If that holding didn't exist, he might have had Justin Watson for a touchdown. Watson was streaking open with with enough space away from the safety, um, but he kind of stepped up a little uh, off platform, and and so the throw didn't get there as hard as fast. All that to say, I think, I think you know, the coaches saw him get hit by Ngakwe on that second attempt and said, you know what, our defense is playing well. We get ball second half. Let's go in. And so I don't think it was necessarily a bad decision. Um, I, I, I like Mahomes wanting to go for it, but – um, you know, and, that, and another thing you'll notice, too, is is uh, the Colts weren't playing necessarily prevent defense those first couple snaps, but they transitioned to it um, once, you know, after those couple throws. So that, that tells you that I think the coaches recognize that and said, hey, it's, it's even harder to get a shot now. So I, I, I think, it you know, it looks like the, the coaches should always go for it, but I don't think it was necessarily a bad decision there to just go into halftime and, and, and try to get, uh, you know, points on the other side. Now, you kind of change your tune on that, Ron, because I think when we were in the DMs, you told me that the only people in the building – who thought it was a good idea to uh, not go for it? There were the coaches, but uh, I, you know, I, I agree with you now because I, I, I do think that it was a it was one of those things where uh, they took their shots, it, it didn't work out, and you're sitting second and twenty at your own thirty six yard line against with your offensive line questionable and the the other team in prevent defense. You know, you're with twenty seconds left to go. There's not a whole lot. Uh, very often that's going to happen good at that point. Yeah, no, and you're, and you're right. No, my, and, and I think everyone's initial reaction is to go for it. And that's why you see Mahomes have the conversation. And, and that's kind of why, where I'm at too, is like, hey, as a competitor, as a fan, you want to see them try to score as many points as possible. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I just think from the coach's perspective, I think that's why, you know, it's not something that like, I think we can like come out of this game being like, you know, critiquing the coaches for that decision necessarily is, is kind of my point. Like, it's not necessarily a bad decision, but yeah. Hey, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm the one in the, with the reins, I'm, you know, trying to score as many points as possible. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can, you've seen this a lot of times with NFL coaches is towards the end of a half like that with not a lot of time left, they'll take one shot. And if you get a big chunk play on that one, then they go for it. Right. Right. But if, if you take your shot, you, you take your quarterback, you know, a couple of hits and then and it doesn't look like it's going to happen, then you just cut your losses and go to halftime. All right. How about um, fourth and goal from the seven? They kick a field goal and make it. Uh, this is the drive to start off the second half, if I remember correctly. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I I wish it, you know, I, I would say it's a bad decision because you should be able to trust your offensive line. You should be able to trust your receivers to, you know, especially a guy like Kelsey or, or Fortson in the red zone to find space. But, you know, the offensive line just wasn't getting the job done. And I think the coaching staff kind of made some decisions based upon that. And And I think, again, you know, with the defense playing as well, I think Andy was was you know good with you know electing to to stay with points, but Here, I don't know. You know here's, trust a, here's a twist though, I, I had forgotten this part. They had it third and goal from the two, and had a delay of game penalty uh, on on fourth down uh, yeah. in, in field goal formation. Uh, so if they're sitting at the two yard line, fourth right. and goal, to me that's different from the seven. I would have certainly gone for it. Uh, fourth and goal from the two, you know, with, with your kicker being, yeah. you know, has already missed the extra point by that point. And, you know, not a lot's gone right for you. To me, that that's where that's where you put the hammer down and you just figure out a way to get two yards. They got enough in the bag to get two yards there. And, and, and that's why it's interesting that they didn't go for it, right, is that, you know, I think that's how you can how you can kind of feel Andy feels about how the offensive line was playing, how the whole unit was playing, um, that he didn't trust them to get it there. All right, what about the fake field goal, the uh, uh, ill-conceived, ill-executed? <laughs> Terrible decision. No <laughs> no beating around the bush on this one. I mean, uh, it's, it's just as simple, and everyone's going to say it, but it's just as simple as you have Mahomes. You know, if you want to really go for it on a fourth down, you don't trust the kicker. That's fine, but let your best player try to convert it, not your punter throwing to, you know, was it Noah Gray? Was it was he the one out in the flat? Um yeah, no, I, just a just a terrible play. I just don't. I hate it. I I don't like that. So if you're you're fourth and eleven from the twenty four, so it's not close enough to really go for it. Um, now I will say they've had some success with Tommy Townsend throwing the ball before. He's got a pretty nice looking spiral when he's able to step into it and get the long locks flowing behind him. It can be <laughs> a beautiful thing, but yeah, throwing to Noah Gray. What I didn't like about the execution of that play was he hesitated a lot uh, before throwing to Gray, right? He, he was like, I don't know if he was hitching or, or waiting for, right. for Gray to get open, but he was staring him down. That if, if you have a wide open play and you throw that, you just get catch the snap, throw the ball, uh, you got a pretty decent chance there. But even if he had completed that pass, they had an ineligible man downfield on Jaron Christian. Uh, that would have called that back and right. they declined that penalty to take the ball on, on downs there. So just, I don't know if it was a worse decision or worse execution there. Uh, I might say execution because at least the decision was aggressive and, and uh, uh, knowing that the, the kicker was not going to get the job done, but 
Um, either way, that was that was ugly. Yeah, um, the the aggression is just you know I'd like to see him be aggressive with Mahomes, but yeah, I, I you know I I definitely like going for it. It's just the way they went for it. I, I would enough. like to see Mahomes drop back on that. The next drive, fourth and seven from the sixteen, uh, kick a field goal and miss the field goal. Yeah, well, I just that's that's the thing that what I don't get is if you're not going to trust them one time, you know why trust them at all? Um, and you know I, I I just didn't have confidence throughout the game with them, obviously, but you know I I just their wishy washy decision making in terms of when to trust them, when not to, and how to how to not trust them. Yeah, I, I I didn't like this decision either. I I would go for it here. Fourth and seven isn't isn't terrible. And again, you have Mahomes, and you know I I just think they had the they had the chance. You know, with with the defense playing the way they were, you know, they could be you know a lot more aggressive. You know, going for it, and so they yeah. Just didn't. At that point, it was what seventeen thirteen. So if you make the field goal, a touchdown still ties the game. Right. Um, so it's not like you're putting the game out of reach. By by kicking the field goal and going up by two possessions or or something like that. Uh, obviously, in retrospect, if they made that field goal, then you know the best uh, Indy yeah. can do is tie, and then you know Mahomes maybe gets another shot. But um, and and maybe Indianapolis's last drive is a little quicker than it ended up being an eight minute drive there to, to drain the clock. So that's my next thing. Uh, were the coaches' decisions poor? in not calling timeouts during that eight-minute drive, which allowed uh, Indianapolis to, to drain the clock down to, you know, what, 22 seconds that, that Mahomes had had the ball there. So they got it with 24 seconds left. Yeah, I think towards the end, yes. I, I do think they could have at least used one of those um, to, to get a little more time back on the clock for Mahomes to operate with. Um, I don't think it was terrible. I don't think it was, um, you know, a disaster like like some of the Denver stuff we've seen. But uh but I definitely think they could have used uh, maybe one more timeout towards the end there. Um, once the Colts... Wouldn't you typically call that timeout um, before the two-minute warning to force them to run a play prior to the two-minute warning? That way you get two clock stoppages there. Because uh, it looks like Indianapolis, uh, they were tackled uh, with 30, two minutes and 30 seconds left on second and two. Uh, and and they let the 30 seconds run off. Right. Get to a two-minute warning there. So you, I mean that that would have been the easiest one to call, even if they still go ahead and score. Now you're giving yourself, you know, closer to a minute left as opposed to exactly. Seconds. Yeah, exactly. You said it. You said it best. So I, I I'm with you. Hey, what about? And I thought this play was fun. This was earlier in the game, but uh, the play where they had Colin Saunders as a lead blocker. They also <laughs> had Michael Burton in the game, uh, and you know, obviously that's the heaviest of all heavy packages. Uh, very condensed on the goal line there. They just expected their offensive line to win. Yep. And they got a couple of wins and a, and a few losses, and it, and it didn't work out. Uh, what do you think about that decision? I, I don't mind it at all. Get creative and the short yardage. I think, you know, Collins an explosive enough guy, you know, that he's going to get – and he did move somebody out of the way. It's just, you know, other lost blocks other places. Um, lost the the run, so no, I don't mind it at all. I don't think it's a bad decision. Uh, just it was just the execution on that one. But it, you know what? It's setting up uh, Stags is a little bit of a you know maybe pass to Colin Saunders in the flat or a little pop pass or something. Absolutely. Like, later now down that they've the road. shown him as that lead blocker, he can get the ball next time. Uh, but yeah, all's well that ends well on that particular play. They they scored uh, right after that with the uh, let's see with the pass to Kelsey, right? 
I believe that was the Clyde punch in after that. They eventually oh, Clyde punched it in, and Kelsey yeah. was the two point conversion. Yeah. yeah, which by the way, I I don't I, know if we get that call very often. I never thought that was a, a good one, a good con- conversion. I never for a second thought they were going to call that a successful conversion. I, I mean, that was another interesting coach's decision. By the way, you're talking about not trusting your kicker. They they went for two there. Uh, obviously, you know it got them you know back to because he had already missed the extra point before that, you know, you're kind of making up for it with the two point conversion there, but the chiefs team in the past has not really played it that way. They've generally just gone ahead and kicked the extra point and, and yeah. save the two point conversion for later if they needed it. Yeah, no, uh, Butker missing. I mean, it, it could have ended up costing them seven points total. When you think about the missed extra point, the missed field goal, and then the, you know, not trusting him, you know, on that fake field goal. I mean, you know, that's that's seven points on the board. Hucker, Bucker, uh, you know, not well, having him has not not having Bucker. Yeah, with Amendola on the field, and now Amendola's looking for a job again. Uh, assumption is that Bucker will be back this week. Um, I, I think is is kind of where I'm leaning, uh, but we'll we'll see how that goes. We got a bunch of good questions uh, from you guys on Twitter. I don't know if we should just uh, forge ahead here with with Jake's question at Jet underscore Hardman. This isn't really a question either, but he was mad about this loss because it was the first time in a while that they deserved to lose, and they and they did lose. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think they deserved to lose this game? Absolutely, yeah. No, it, 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 Mahomes had the chance to pull it out of their butts, but it wasn't. It wouldn't have been, you know, some heroic uh, win. Um, I will say, I, I think the the PFF had the adjusted score at uh, Chiefs winning, uh, you know, which obviously <laughs> week two, the, Chief, the Chargers beating him in the adjusted score. So they did outplay the Colts, but in terms of the mistakes, you know, the timely mistakes, not taking advantage of certain, you know, the dumb penalties, they absolutely deserve to lose. So yeah, I agree with him. How about some stats of the week, Ron? Yeah. So obviously we haven't talked much about the defense, but they played very well. And I think the depth of the defense shined right with Darius Harris having to step up for Willie Gay um, you know, uh, Jalen Watson once again playing with uh, Trent McDuffie hurt. But a, t- a few other guys, we already mentioned Saunders on the offensive side of the ball, but I wanted to highlight him and Malik Herring, who played a very limited role for the defense on Sunday, only playing 25 snaps between them. But Stags, on those 25 snaps combined, they made five stops, which is a PFF stat, um, basically uh, constituting a tackle that is a failure for the offense. So even if it's you know one or two yards a gain, that's still a failure for the offense. They'll still give them credit for a stop. So five stops between those two players, the rest of the, and that's pass or run, right? The rest of the defensive line. So all the other defensive linemen on the chiefs had eight stops and it combined 261 snaps. So in, in, in just a, a small fraction of the snaps of the rest of the defensive line, Saunders and Herring came in and, and played quality snaps and, and made some plays. Saunders, especially he had two quarterback hits, but, Herring only played four snaps and, and got in and made a couple of nice run tackles that I noticed. So uh, shout out Malik Herring coming in and, and, and producing in his first real time in the NFL. Yeah, I thought Colin Saunders really um, played well and, and differentiated himself there. Herring really getting his his first look. At least he, he didn't get a lot of snaps, but he looked the part. So uh, good for those guys. Um, my side of the week comes from the linebackers. Uh, Nick Bolton was just a monster once again this week. Showed up in a, in a lot of different ways. But he, he actually he had two sacks in the game on blitzes. Those are his first two career sacks. Pretty good feeling they're not going to be his last because he, he looks pretty good uh, when he's able to get downhill and, and get after the quarterback. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, no, the, the linebackers, I, I was especially you know impressed with Harris. But 
you know, Bol- I didn't even realize Bolton had two sacks. Um, I, I just think all of them were going, you know, Sneed was going hard, so hard at him too. You know, I think the, you know, the, the Chiefs did a really good job sending pressure at Matt Ryan and, and you know, making him, you know, uh, you know, obviously he's very bad at avoiding pressure and everything. So taking advantage of that. So shout out the linebackers. They definitely did their thing. And, and Bolton is racking up the stats, man. One of my bold predictions before the season was he would earn all pro, you know, honors. And, you know, he's racking up the kind of box score stats that you need to uh, to get there. So. There you go. Absolutely. I'm going to throw in one bonus question from Sam McDowell on Twitter. The Chiefs allowed fewer yards at 259 total yards allowed than in any regular game, regular season game last year, and they still lost. So this would have been the least yards allowed all last season, uh, and it was a game that they they somehow managed to to not win. And th- but that's why there's silver linings to this game, right? Is that the defense did play well, and you're and you expect the offense to play better with an elite quarterback, elite you know, elite tight end, elite play caller. So, I I definitely think that's why you know if you if you wanted to be an optimist about this game, that's that's what you point to is that the defense is performing very well and 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 really had it gave them a chance to win this game. Well, we're about to go to break and, and give our sponsors a chance. Uh, but, Ron, typically every week we have a would you rather. Uh, you are normally the one asking the questions, but I got one for you this week. Oh, and it's, okay. a, uh, uh, it's a little call out to uh, turning the page and talking about next week's game. So, Ron, would you rather have a hook for a hand or a peg for a leg? <laughs> Ron's question after this, stay with us on the Out of Structure podcast. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on the Out of Structure podcast. Matt Sagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. with the tough questions that the people want to know, Ron. Would you rather have a hook for a hand or a peg for a leg? I got to go hook for a hand, right? I, I think you have to. I, I, I wouldn't want to be, you know, peg for a leg sounds very uncomfortable walking like that all the time. I know you got both hands, but it would be pretty cool to have a, a hook, you know, it's pretty badass. I mean, isn't it, you know, kind of just, uh, you know, at a bar, you know, kind of showing it off, you know, uh, you know, and, and it, it could come in handy sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I, I got to go hook for a hand stacks. Yeah. I would, I don't know. They've good, they have pretty good prosthetics for both now. So it feels like you could do True. better than a hook or a peg if you were missing <laughs> a, an appendage, but, uh, you know, that's an obvious call out to the Buccaneers, uh, next week. Uh, Hurricane notwithstanding, uh, pretty soon let's turn the page and talk about the Bucks. But we still have a few more questions to rehash this last brutal loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, let's start with Thomas Ramirez. Do you think this will be the wake-up call that the Chiefs' offense needed? There were so many missed opportunities. He points out they could use more quick passes and taking what the defense gives them. This is a nice lead-in, I think, to Ron, your on-field analysis of the offense uh maybe give us a preview to to what you saw right and and we've talked about it a lot with a lot of the unit just didn't play well right the offensive line didn't help anybody the running backs didn't take advantage a lot and and you know the passing game just you know they just weren't getting open a lot of the times unfortunately um and 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 that 
the thing is, though, they, they still have chances to overcome it. And that's where Thomas Ramirez, you know, he points out the so many missed opportunities. You know, we, we, we saw it, you know, first drive of the game. You know, the, the Chiefs are going to, you know, get an easy look man coverage with one safety over the top. The safeties, you know, push to the other side of the field away from MVS. So that vertical is there. Mahomes just doesn't hit him. Uh, you know, he, he overthrows him. And then later, you know, later in that half, you know, he has Juju Smith-Schuster over the middle open, but, you know, he just doesn't see him. You know, there's, there are a lot of missed opportunities that could have overshadowed, you know, a lot of the, the inefficiencies of the offense today. I, I think there are times, honestly, Mahomes, you know, not only are the receivers maybe not getting open as much, I think Mahomes isn't trusting them in tight windows as much as maybe he could. You know, I, I noticed a few times, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster maybe had a, a, some leverage on a, on a quick throw and Mahomes kind of maybe, you know, hesitated to get there. And, and I do think there maybe is something too, you know, I, you, you'd like to see Juju be a little more decisive with his bursts, with his breaks, you know, his cuts. But, you know, I, I do think there's some kind of, you know, something going on uh, maybe with just, you know, the uncomfortable, you know, an uncomfortability between uh, quarterback and receiver right now. Um, he says need more quick passes. I do think that, you know, we, we saw a lot of quick passes. I, I think it's the, the intermediate to deep passes when they're there that, that the, uh, Mahomes missed on on Sunday. And that's where it kills you. Um, especially when the run game isn't going, you really need to have those, those, uh, you know, cat, you know, those, those plays that catalyze you as an offense and, and Mahomes had a few opportunities for those. So as, as much as everything else went wrong around him, I, I really think Mahomes had the chance to kind of lift everyone out of the crappy game and, and, and rise above it um, by making a few uh, big time throws that elite quarterbacks do. And again, I, I just think, you know, he, he missed those chances and, you know, if the off, you know, when the offensive line, the running backs and, and everyone else plays better, maybe down, down the road, it, you know, the, he won't, in, in a certain game, he wouldn't need to uh, maybe as much. And you don't want him to do it every single game. But in this game, he, you know, he he, he kind of needed to. That's just how the rest of the game was going. And, you know, he just missed a few opportunities. And I don't think that'll be the case every game. I, 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 I highly doubt that will. So that that's that's what I'd say about the offense is I, I, I there's no I wouldn't panic that much. I think the receivers maybe need to work on their separation a little bit, but they still had plenty of opportunity for uh, to win this game and, and score enough points to beat the Colts. Well, that leads to Andrew Jones's question here about Gus Bradley and his adjustments and, and why that worked and why the same defensive philosophy that the Chiefs have been facing for over a year now is still befuddling this team. You know, why is it they can't get past uh, this issue or this defense? Is it execution? Is it a Mahomes thing? Uh, what's the? What do you think the issue is? facing that that uh, you know the deeps the too deep safety or the the conservative style of defense I think it can really just be as easy as uh, something that we all maybe should have expected more of and maybe did expect more of and then we talk about the week one game maybe blowing our expectations out of the water but the receivers having a chemistry that they need to build with Mahomes early in the season you know these are new receivers these are new targets that he hasn't had to throw to before and you know, a lot of these zone coverages, you know, what they're doing is, is forcing, you know, receivers to, to find the separation and, and, and get away from zone defenders and, and make tightly contested throws and Mahomes to trust receivers in tightly contested throws. And, you know, the Colts played disciplined football and, and coverage and, and their front really helped them too. I really think their front, um, you know, uh, made Mahomes, you know, uh, kind of uncomfortable, obviously what we've talked about it, but no, I, yeah, I really think, you know, I, I think last year get, it's overblown a little bit. Like, yeah, there were bad stretches, but the offense was still, you know, elite. And, and towards the end of the year, we're still firing on all cylinders. I think there's, there's plenty of time for that to still happen. I think right now we're seeing possibly the, the, the thing that we could have expected is that new receivers in, in Mahomes, maybe not trusting them as much um, right, you know, um, right now and, and tightly contested throws. And that's what you kind of have to do against zone coverages. And that's what defenses, not the first game, right? The first game, the Cardinals blitzed and, and gave, Mahomes plenty of open windows and throws to to make, but the last two games it's been a lot tougher 
and and the Chiefs and the Chiefs have struggled because of it. So Frank Nitty gets to that question as well about the wide receiver uh, group. Is is this wide receiver core the answer? It, it seems like nobody can get open, and a lot of the feedback from others has been about nobody able to beat man coverage. And you're just talking about their struggles with zone. So uh, if only they could face something other than man or zone, these receivers would be perfect, right? Yeah, no, it's both. And and exactly. Cause it, man is hard to beat. Right. And these receivers, you know, uh, you know, especially, you know, a guy like MBS and Juju, like they're not the quickest guys, the shiftiest guys. Like, and, and that's why maybe this is where, you know, people calling for sky more, maybe have a point, right. You know, uh, the zone defender, you know, you have Kelsey to win against zone and, and, and Juju does make tough catches, but against man, you know, I, I do think there's some limitations to just the, both of their playmaking abilities. Obviously MVS, you know, could have had a big play this week if Mahomes hits him, but sky Moore is that shiftier player, right? The guy that can kind of break off a guy a little better, create more separation off the line that we've seen in the preseason. He's impressed at least in that vein. So that's where I think, you know, maybe there's some merit to people calling for sky to get more reps. Um, just that we haven't really seen Juju and MVS necessarily earn the fact to be that, the, the guys that are winning against all kind of co- <clears throat> kinds of coverages and giving Mahomes all these open throws. So why not, get, you know, give Sky a little more chance to do that? I don't know, Stags. What do you think about Sky maybe penetrating the lineup a little more? Yeah, it, it's time, I think. And obviously he wasn't the fan favorite this week after the mistakes that he made on on special teams. But Sky Moore, the thing about him pre-draft and, and that we saw in the limited action we've seen of him so far is he has a really unique way of of creating separation uh, at the top of his routes, right? He's got some releases, some yep. uh, you know, some some route running, some shiftiness, you know, all of that stuff that that maybe some of these other guys are lacking. I'm going to say it again: Juju and MVS are basically doing what they've done their entire careers. MVS, the only thing that he hasn't done so far is connect on the deep pass, which which he does periodically or has periodically throughout his career but otherwise you know I think his numbers are are pretty similar to what they were in Green Bay and Juju's numbers are pretty similar to what they were in Pittsburgh you know they're intermediate targets they're they're not big touchdown scorers or or big play Uh, MVS is a big play guy uh, but if he's not hitting on the big plays then he's not making uh, you know a a high volume of catches or, or a lot of yards so you know Maybe we thought that these guys would would break out with Mahomes in a way that they haven't done in their careers prior to this, and and so far it appears that they're doing pretty much what they've always done, uh, which is acceptable if you've got other players producing around them. Uh, it, if they're the ones that you're relying on, that it becomes maybe a, a problem, a production problem. So, you know, I don't know. It, we either have to adjust our expectations. Uh, or be patient on the that connection on the deep pass because I really think that things change when you start connecting on a few deep passes. Yeah, no, that's a good point you make. Uh, you know, that they're really not doing much more than than they've ever done in their careers. Um, and and you know, and maybe we, it was hard for us to expect them to you know take a step right away. At least there's still a chance uh, time to. But you know, right now when you think about how the offense has performed in the past with guys like D. Rob and Byron Pringle. Are Juju and MVS really doing much more uh, for this offense um, compared to what uh, Pringle and D-Rob did yeah. you know, in previous I hate seasons. this conversation. They, I this know. Should already, this should have already been decided definitively, and now you're, and, now you're bridging it up. Well, and it's early, right? And so that's why this is just more, you know, we're just, you know, we're just talking, right? And But these stats are, are alarming um, a little bit because um, it is 
pretty crazy when you think about last year, Mahomes, when he's targeting Byron Pringle on 74 targets, he had a pass rating of 135. <laughs> Mahomes, when uh, targeting D-Rob last year on 44 targets, had a 93 pass rating, not as good. Now, uh, this year, when he's targeting Juju and MBS, both are in the mid-80s right now on only 18 and 15 targets. So small sample size, but it just kind of, you know, it, it is just kind of a, a goes to show you, like, they're not being utilized anymore, maybe. And obviously, the stats bear it out, you know, any more than the guys that we they replaced uh, last year. And early returns show that they're not making any more of an impact than the other guys did. But I still think it's early. It's just worth noting that, you know, that's that's kind of how it looks right now. And when you don't have Tyree Kill to, to, you know, on top of, you know, those, you know, those guys in their roles, then it makes them look, you know, probably even worse uh, than, they, yeah, that, than they even are. That's the point I was about to make is that you could we talked about this early in the preseason and, and throughout. In some ways, Juju is a direct replacement for Byron Pringle and MVS is a right. direct replacement for D-Rob uh, with no real direct replacement for Tyreek Hill unless yeah. it's Sky Moore. And, right. and, and, and so at some point, uh, we can't expect Juju and MVS to be Tyreek Hill uh, when maybe they are just Pringle and D-Rob. And, and so we'll have to see once Sky Moore starts to get involved you know, can the combination of Moore and maybe Hardman producing in a way that we know that he can, maybe the combination of those two uh, can help open things up for these other guys. But we might be early, but we might be starting to get in the territory where we think of Juju and MVS both as, as complementary players and not uh, the guy. Yeah, and and again to your point, which is which is a good one. I mean, they they have proven throughout their career, and 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 an NFL team like the Chiefs paid them like they are just complementary weapons this offseason, not necessarily the number one guy. I mean, that's that's the fact, and and, and that's you know they are they would be you know taking a step to become any more than that, and and you know we we may have expected them to do that a little quickly quicker than um, pop. but it's still early. Again, it's so early. It's 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 just or, an interesting point. It, it's also early, but. You know who the Chiefs' most efficient pass catcher has been so far this season? It's my guy, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yes, sir. Caught 12 of 12 targets, and they're not all just dump-offs and screen passes. Uh, As you noted, we've seen him on uh, some of those angle routes, uh, the Texas route earlier. Uh, This is a guy who is an accomplished pass catcher and a reliable target. Maybe he needs some more targets. Yeah, no, I, I think they're giving him an appropriate amount of targets. Maybe they could sprinkle in a little more. Um, but yeah, I mean, the screen game has worked really, really well, too. Uh, you know, and and it's just been it's been good to see that because it's it's an emphasis, right? It's it's something that they, they seem to be, you know, on, on important plays. They seem to be pulling it out. You know, the angle route this week was in the red zone. He got them down to the one yard line and eventually he scored on a run. So, yeah, it, it's good to see them utilizing him in that way because, you know, as, as maybe we'll get into with with uh, football time, Polly's question at PD San Chief, um, and I'll and I'll ask it in a second. But you know, that's his strengths, right? Because you know, I, I think right now we're seeing maybe some 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 uh, some lacks in the running game a little bit. But the offensive line isn't helping him either, so it, it's kind of a tough time for all the the entire running game. Uh, at least, yeah, at least a lot was made about Clyde not having any rushing yards this week, but right, he did have 39 yards receiving on five targets and five catches. I, I think that five to seven target range per game, you know, is probably the the standard going forward for Clyde. And I'd like to see him, you know, have some more opportunities in wheel routes and, and down the down the yeah. field stuff a little bit too, because 
he is a guy that can do that for you and and make people miss and run people over in space a little bit more than maybe he can close to the line of scrimmage as, as you alluded to. So go ahead with that next question. Yeah. Football time. Polly asks, is it time for Rojo to be that straight ahead runner as opposed to the, the find an opening run into the back style of Clyde. And, and I I'll, I'll run down his stats real quick. He had seven carries, no rushing yards. His longest run was four yards. And, and Nate Tice actually pointed this out, but the three running backs combined only had one carry out of their 17 carries that went for a first down. Um, pretty disastrous performance from the run game. But I do think the offensive line has a lot to blame. You know, I actually posted a, 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 a clip of Clyde's ugly run, which was a negative run. And, and it's easy to look at, you know, there's a cutback lane there. And, and the thing I pointed out is that Clyde's super slow to get to it. And it kind of screws up the entire play. And on outside zone, you need to hammer those cutback lanes because that's how you get the defense to kind of, uh, you know, not, re- not overflow to the outside as much, you know, on, on future plays. But he's just so slow to the cutback. But smarter people than me on Twitter have, have come back and kind of, you know, I'm, I'm learning here and, and they've taught me well. And, and that's where I want to kind of maybe, you know, maybe we should lay off Clyde a, a little more and, and maybe put more blame on this offensive line that's supposed to be dominating a lot more. The penetration, you know, Creed initially has completely throws off Clyde's path and it, and, and it makes him, you know, have to kind of, you know, reshuffle what he's doing. But also the play calling too. the shotgun, the shotgun runs out on outside zone. And, and Jason Dunn actually was the first one who replied to me, shout out him, um, you know, and, and, and explaining this to me how, you know, from the shotgun, he's running horizontally. His shoulders are completely turned, you know, running to the sideline. It's really hard to see that cutback lane, you know, from that position and cut all the way back to it. If he was running from an under center position or even in a pistol set, right you know, you're not running, you're running with your shoulders more square to the line of scrimmage and you can see that cutback lane that's there. And so it's easy for me, uh, you know, uh, from the film to say, okay, you know, he needs to get to that cutback lane quicker or, and, and this is a five yard run instead of a negative two yard run. But again, I, I really think the offensive line, you know, they gave up a lot of penetration in the run game. You know, uh, they, they just were not, you know, creating space for the backs specifically this game. And, and so that's where I, I do want to give, you know, Clyde a little uh, slack, but I do think Rojo could help. I, I, you know, to get back to, I guess his question is, I do think Ronald Jones could help with some of that downhill run game um, and, and get, you know, maybe more yards than, than uh, you know, when it is that clouded up box sometimes uh, that we saw on Sunday, Ronald Jones could help. I don't know. What do you think about the run game? What do you think? about yeah, the offensive line? I, I don't know about Ronald Jones helping. Uh, I, I yeah. think he's somebody that, that, he's going to have a lot of those runs that don't go anywhere, right? He's going to get stopped in the backfield more often. Um, and the Chiefs don't – they just so far haven't been willing to run a lot of that uh, power, right. you know, block stuff. They keep trying to run outside zone with with players ill-equipped to do it, and I'm not sure that – I'm not sure that Rojo is going to be any better at that outside zone issue. Uh, and maybe Pacheco would be somebody who they need to figure out a way to to get him loose a little bit. Uh, uh, rather than Rojo. I don't know. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want them to use Jones in the same way they've been using the running backs. But yeah, I think if they were to, you know, and we've talked about it forever, but if they were to ever say, flip their mindset, like say, hey, look, we need to be more downhill about our run game. You know, I think Jones would probably, you know, help in that instance, but that's the only thing he really helps in. So he's pretty one dimensional. So that's where, you know, the benefit of having him up is kind of, you know, it makes you a little one dimensional, takes away in the pass game, but. Either way, I, I do think he'd be taking advantage of some downhill runs uh, if they ever did do it more than uh, a guy like Clyde does. But Clyde is still better downhill than he is on these, again, horizontal. You know, he, he, they're just not what Clyde does right, the outside zone runs. 
Yeah, Pacheco is an interesting case, though, again, because he's somebody that just really has not gotten going. He had a little bit of a little bit of juice in the opener, like the rest of the offense, and really has done nothing since then on very limited carries. Right. Uh, he had two carries for six yards uh, against the Chargers, and uh, you know he, he's had he's averaging three two three yards a carry uh, in in this season so far. Uh, I wonder why they haven't been able to get him going as explosive as he's been in in very limited looks. Uh, otherwise, it just doesn't seem like he, they've gotten it in the games yet. Yeah, I do think they must not you know necessarily like what they're seeing on the limited snaps he has. I do think there have been some vision questions, but I think every running back has had him. So that's why it's not really a great excuse to keep him off the field. But at the same time, you know, Clyde and Jarek are eating a lot of snaps up. They're both, you know, Jarek's playing more than Clyde um, in terms of total snaps. So I think it's just more that they, they have a, a lot of, you know, they, they have those two veteran guys helping them in the offense. And, and you know, maybe Pacheco hasn't proven enough to force mm-hmm. the, t- the touches right now. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot from McKinnon either. I mean, he, he's really right. been, uh, you know, he's, he's really been limited in getting going. And you're right. At some point you got to say, okay, if none of the running backs can get going, there's something going on with the blocking or, or the scheme. Uh, as opposed to every single one of these running backs being inept. So this week, McKinnon averaged 2.9, Pacheco averaged 3, uh, Clyde averaged 0 on his carries. <laughs> but also, n- nobody's getting a, a bulk of carries, right? So they yeah. only carried the ball. T- they had 23 rushes this week in a close game with Mahomes having four of those uh, and Kelsey having one. So there's, it's not like they're – trying to run the ball on a consistent basis and failing they're not trying that much and failing (laughs) as well yeah and so that's where we can jump to ks chaser chasing hashtag chiefs kingdom games at ks chaser one's question on why is this offensive line so offensive to the chiefs right now uh yeah i i I i think they they do deserve a lot of the the blame because stags i mean and and this is something I, i tweeted about but you know, how often do you hear a guy like Peter Schrager on NFL game day or just any of these national media pundits kind of talk about, you know, just kind of offhandedly mention the Chiefs offensive line as maybe the best in the league and, and how, you know, they have a dominant, you know, a unit. Have, has, have they lived up to that expectation for you this season so far? Because they haven't to me. And, and I know, you know, I know the answer is probably no. Um, but it's just, are they, I, 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 I'm starting to question, you know, did we, did we jump the gun on calling them, you know, that, that great of unit? Uh, are they just not having a great uh, stretch of games? You know, you know, right tackle Andrew Wiley, you know, is, is quite the, you know, it, it can be quite the weak spot. And that's what, you know, your offensive line a lot of, a lot of times just about the weak spots, but even the big names aren't performing well so far as we've already kind of talked about. So yeah, I, I'm not, you know, I, I think the offensive line has definitely impacted, you know, the offensive past two games, uh, their effectiveness. Yeah, I mean, I think Creed has been a little bit below his standard that he set right. last year. Trey Smith has been battling an ankle injury and and has been a little bit less effective as well. Uh, and yeah, that uh, Wiley certainly has struggled. Uh, Orlando Brown has struggled some himself, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But there's there's been struggles across the offensive line. Uh, you know, on one hand, Mahomes only been sacked twice so far this year, right? So right. You can't say, well they're averaging less than one sack allowed per game. That's typically, it's obviously a very surface measurement, but it's typically one of the things you would look at is, Hey, is Mahomes taking a whole bunch of sacks? Well, Mahomes is pretty good at avoiding a sack 
that should be a sack and, and turning it into just a pressure. So I, I'm yeah. sure the pressure numbers aren't as good uh, as the sacks allowed. Yeah, well, no, you're right, actually. I, I don't have the updated stat, but I know last week he had uh, one of the lowest uh, pressure or uh, rate of pressures turned into sacks. So I definitely think uh, there is something to that. But And that's the thing, you know, even under pressure this year, he's still playing very well statistically. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that against the Colts he looked, he looked good against pressure, but the stats, I think, from week one kind of boosted up his stats versus pressure this year. But Aim Down Sites on, on Twitter also asked, do we let Orlando Brown Jr. walk this offseason and rebuild our tackle position? So this is, I think, a little bit overreactionary, um, you know, to, to pretty early in the season. But, you know, he didn't have his greatest game, Stags. And, and I thought I've, I've, I've liked what I've seen so far going into this game. I can't defend him too much in this game, but I still think, you know, I still think there was a little, it was a little overblown on, on just maybe tripping over, you know, a tight end's foot, um, you know, on one play and, and maybe people using that as a way to kind of say he had a bad game. I don't know. What did you think about, or what do you think about Brown right now? Where do you sit on Brown? Yeah. You know, I, I was definitely pro signing him to a long-term contract uh, largely because there's not a lot of better options out there and he's still young and the price is only going to go up the longer you wait to sign him to a deal. Obviously, there's been some things, uh, again, as we just mentioned, with every offensive lineman so far this year, there's been some struggles. You could talk about last week where I thought he played pretty well against a really good Chargers front. And then this week, he certainly did not play as well against a yeah. uh, not as good of a front. I mean, there's still some guys on Indianapolis's front, and I think maybe we underestimated them just a little bit coming into this week. Yeah. But he certainly... I saw somebody on Twitter throw out the Cam Irving reference. Uh, and I think that comes strictly from having a, a play highlighted on Twitter where you're falling. Um, that, you know, clearly, I think a lot of people miss the fact that he stepped on Bell's foot, or not Bell, but Gray's foot there, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or tripped over him uh, in his back pedal and lost his balance. He was not physically dominated there. That was a, uh, you know, that was a fluke thing, but, Giving up too much pressure, I think that's true. Uh, giving up too many hits, um, sure. You know, and I think you've got the PFF numbers on that, but I, I feel like, you know, Mahomes has been under duress, and it's really the stats don't matter to me as much as how Mahomes looks and, and how much he trusts that offensive line. Right. And you can see just based on the eye test, Mahomes really doesn't feel as comfortable as he should given the second year of what we thought was a really good offensive line. Yeah, you're right. That is the ultimate measuring stick. And and it is true. Um, you know, I, I think in, you know, in the past, and I'm not, you know, I don't think necessarily this game, it was the case, but in the past, you know, times Mahomes doesn't help his offensive tackles by dropping so deep. But, um, you know, I don't, I think he's, you know, I think he's fixed that to the, for the most part. I do think Yannick Ngakwe gave Brown some, some trouble with the speed rushes, you know, getting beat around the outside and, and kind of, uh, no, there was one where, you know, Mahomes held on to the ball for a long time, so they didn't give Brown the credit for the sack. But he did, you know, uh, he got ridden around the outside and eventually, you know, Ngakwe got rid of him and, and brought Mahomes down. So, you know, I, I definitely think he could be playing better, but it's early in the season and I like what I saw from the first two games. So I'm going to I'm going to get the bigger sample size before I, you know, t- ask, answer if he should walk this offseason. Because hey, maybe we throw a contrarian point of view here and say, let's buy low. Uh, they should offer him a contract <laughs> right now. I know they can't technically, but right. <laughs> uh, this would be the perfect time to offer him a contract uh, and, and take advantage of that, uh, of that grade. And, and, you know, people talk about PFFs uh, grades being used in contract negotiations. 
you know, it'll be interesting to see if the Chiefs come and drop a, you know, drop the mic on him with a, with some PFF scores from this season when they go to negotiate <laughs> uh, after the year is over. If if they want to get it a cheap deal, apparently they will. Because yeah, PFF has not liked Brown like I have uh, so far this year. We noticed that in the grades. And hey, everybody knows that PFF is the end all, be all, hundred percent <laughs> accurate, um, completely objective way to to grade any football player. Uh, speaking of which, <laughs> let's talk Rashad Fenton, uh, Black Elf. Uh, 19 on Twitter. Rashad Fenton's been frustrating to watch for the first three games of the season. If Watson continues to play, is there a chance that he keeps his spot in the lineup when McDuffie returns? And then uh, aim down sites basically asked the same question. Is there a chance when McDuffie comes back, does Watson stay on and Fenton see less time? What have you seen from Fenton and and Watson uh, so far as far as would you call that a competition? Would you say that one – deserves to, to see the bench when McDuffie comes back. You know, what's funny is, it, it, you know, if you remove the, their names the past two games, you know, one of them has looked like the seventh-round rookie getting picked on, and the other has looked like the guy that's been around. Um, Jalen Watson is the one not necessarily giving up as much, uh, you know, uh, statistically as Fenton has. And I know Fenton was matched up on Mike Williams, which is a tough, you know, battle a few times against the Chargers. But here's the stats on it. Uh, Fenton has allowed 12 catches on 14 targets this year. Um, allowing 113 passer rating when targeted. Jalen Watson has only allowed nine catches on 19 targets, and he has actually has two pass breakups compared to Fenton's one, and it's allowing only a 56 passer rating when targeted this year. So, yeah, I, I, the stats back up that Watson has kind of, you know, played a little more sound, uh, I would say, maybe. Um, the Colts picked on Fenton, uh, you know, definitely, and, and, uh, and I think the Chargers did too, and that's maybe because he had the better matchup, but, you know, I, I, it is just interesting that that I, I think Watson has played a little more sound, uh, you know, and, and has made a few more plays. And there's no reason why, you know, Fenton, you know, Fenton is an up and down player. And so if, if he's on a down streak and they trust Watson more, you know, to, to not maybe make a penalty or to, you know, um, get beat because um, Fenton plays pretty physical and sometimes that leads to getting beat. So. So, yeah, so uh, it is interesting. I, I think Watson has a good chance, a good, uh, you know, argument to maybe uh, get some snaps even when McDuffie's back. The Chiefs could really use McDuffie back uh, along with, you know, the, some of the other, like Willie Gay Jr., obviously. I think he's somebody that, that is a difference maker. So they've got a couple of guys that they're going to be waiting on. And, hell, I, I keep bringing this up. Maybe I'm just uh, wishing it into reality. But uh, some at some point, Lucas Niang is going to be eligible to come back as right. well. And maybe he gets a shot at the, the right tackle position once again and shakes up the offensive line for the better. Well, let's look forward real quick as before we wrap this thing up. Uh, the Chiefs are going to play the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a Super Bowl rematch from a couple of years ago, um, potentially in a hurricane, potentially moving because of a hurricane. Uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup, and I don't quite know what to make of the Bucs this year. They're 2-1 and one as well, at coming off of a kind of an ugly loss against the Packers. Uh, what do you make of the, the Bucs, and what do you think of that matchup? Yeah, the Bucks' offense this year has not looked, you know, very good. Um, you know, they have a lot of injuries in the receiving core, and I think that's been the big key, but obviously in the offensive line too. Um, and, and, you know, obviously at Brady at this age, man, if he's not getting, you know, um, you know, top-tier elite, you know, protection up front, especially in the interior offensive line, he's going to struggle, right? And especially if he's not getting, you know, he doesn't have Gronk anymore, and, and obviously the receivers have been banged up, you know, the guys that are still there, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, 
all them. So, yeah, I, I do think the Chiefs have a chance to, uh, you know, use their, their depth of the defensive line to get after Brady, you know, make him uncomfortable like they did against Matt Ryan. You'll see, you know, some blitzes as well, obviously, just like they did against Matt Ryan. And actually might be a pretty similar game plan to what you saw against the Colts. And the Pat and the and I almost said the Pats. Uh, the the Bucks offense is going to be, you know, a pretty similar maybe to to what the the Colts did too. So, I think that's the key matchup. Um, you know, because the the Bucks side of the ball or the Bucks defense, man, is 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 very good. The defensive line is going to you know be a, another really difficult challenge for this offensive line. And so, you know, I think it might be another you know uh, kind of a you know slop through the mud kind of day for the offense and the defense might have to you know kind of secure the victory by playing you know full cor- four quarters of, of sound football and the offense making and uh, doing enough to make some plays yeah the defense looks pretty similar to the one that gave the chiefs fits in the super bowl uh it, with fast linebackers and and yep. uh, a lot of different guys that can get pressure so that'll be a tough matchup for the chiefs offensive line um maybe it's another chance for mahomes to take the torch from brady forcibly uh, you know, is uh, I think he's still kind of trying to get over that uh, that comparison. But yeah, Tampa Bay's offense doesn't have the kind of weapons without Mike Evans. They don't have the kind of weapons that are really going to scare you when Russell Gage and Cameron Brait are your leading receivers. You know, that's not uh, uh, that's not a, a matchup where you're super worried about the Chiefs' defense, especially as well as they've been playing. But the one thing about you mentioned blitzing Tom Brady, it's not something you normally want to do, right? It, Tom Brady is a guy that you like Mahomes that you normally don't blitz. Tom Brady is also really good at one thing, uh, and that is finding the one weakness on your defense and exploiting it over and over and over yep. again to the point where it's it is ridiculous. And we just talked about Rashad Fenton. Uh, hopefully, he's not that guy. But if he sees a weakness in coverage, uh, you can expect a lot of targets to go that way, and probably a fair amount of success. Uh, on those particular targets, he just has a knack for for just uncovering that weakness and just mercilessly going after it. Yeah, Darius Harris is, is definitely going to be a, a you know probably a, a, a someone he's he's going after in, in game planning this week, right? He's definitely going to be looking at you know how to exploit him against with tight ends and running backs, uh, you know, in space. So yeah, you're right. No, Brady will be picking on that for sure. Well, last week I said maybe the schedule was a little bit. Uh, easier than than we thought it was uh, preseason. Maybe I jinxed that with this uh, uh, stinker that just happened against the Colts, and now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers looks like a pretty tough matchup. Uh, two pretty evenly matched teams, and, and hopefully an exciting game to watch. Uh, stay tuned for that. Keep in, keep updated with all of the Arrowhead Pride con- uh, commentary and comments and content on our website. Uh, check out all of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network podcast. Like, rate, review, and keep listening. We appreciate you taking part of your day uh, to hang out with us and talk Chiefs football. Get all of the demons out after a loss like this and, and move on to the next week. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a nice bounce back and we can have a good victory Monday conversation next week. Until then, uh, enjoy your week, Ron, and, and folks, and, and look forward to uh, the, the challenge of covering the Chiefs playing the Bucks.